0: My title this morning is Christ in you, the hope of glory. That's exactly what the scripture that Heather read out from her youth Bible, I think it is. It's completely different from my translation, but hey, you got the message. This morning is Christ in you, the hope of glory. We have the mind of Christ. It's Christ. Please repeat this after me. Christ in me is the hope of glory. Now say it like you believe it. Christ in me is the hope of glory. If Christ, there's no, without no Christ, there's no hope and there's no glory. It's Christ in me. We started this year being very serious in that we did not want to adopt a New Year's resolution. Do you remember that? We know that people adopt New Year's resolutions and then come January the 3rd, 4th, 5th, 6th, they abandon them. And we wanted to start this year by pursuing God intensely. We didn't want to be half-hearted. We didn't want to carry the baggage over from 2014 into 2015. We wanted to start the year with a fresh, determined pursuit of God. I'm, I'm still determined to do that. For me, that walk is still on. That race is still on. And I trust it's still on in you. Is it? Good. I've heard good reports since I've been away. And you know, the Bible, you know, I've said to you many times and taught you if I'm delayed for any reason, then the people of God must know how to conduct the affairs of God in the household of God. And it sounds like to me that that's been the case since I've been away. And that's always a really encouraging sign for any pastor. That doesn't mean to say the pastor should keep on traveling because you've done, done something. It means that I, I will travel at the right time, but not too much because. Our assignment is here. Amen? Amen? I know where my assignment is. I know where my wall is. I know the people I'm building. I know the work we're we're trying to build. And you can't do that even in the nations of the world. Jollying. Not that we're jollying, but School of the Prophets is key for me because I'm building alongside. Pastor Pete and Karen, they've got a great work out there. Every time you go into that church, you just go, wow, it's a different church, Joe. It's not the same church. Kitchen's not the same without you, love not the same they can't make that stuff without you you know after their after their service because they've got a big kitchen you can get a full lamb dinner no pressure there Ange you can get a full lamb dinner you can get curry you can get the full works and she used to run that kitchen and Tim's doing a great job now but uh we're not missing you <laughs> but no it's, they do a fantastic job but the church is it's it truly is a great place to be it's a great place to be but Peter and Karen are great people to be alongside. They really are. They've been a blessing to my life and to, I know, to the life of this house. And they'll be here this year and uh, to speak into our school of the prophets. But anyway, meanwhile, back at the ranch. The pursuit of God is still on, still on, still on. It's inside of me. But though it's inside of me, it just might be the case that for you, that This New Year's revelation or the pursuit of this New Year's revelation has somehow, through circumstances, through busyness, through whatever, has begun to wane in you. And your New Year's revelation or your pursuit of a New Year's revelation became as fruitful as your New Year's resolution. In other words, it's not on board. You see, one of the things that I'm really now getting concerned about, about my own life, is this. Paul says, I think it's in Galatians, I can't remember the scripture, but Paul says, I did not come to you with persuasive words, but I came in the demonstration of the Spirit's power. And God spoke to me about putting too much faith in persuasive words. You can develop your messages and preach them and you want to preach good and effective and there's nothing wrong with that because we need effective communication. True? But your faith cannot rest on my communication. Your faith cannot rest on my communication. On a good day, on a best day, with the wind behind me back, and I preach good, did your faith rest on Christ's power? Or are you moved by my persuasive words? Because if you're moved by my persuasive words, I'll always play to the gallery. And charismatic preachers understand that people are moved by words. So they play to the gallery. And then what we do, we create an idol at the front. And then we chase the idol because he's got the words. No, he's got the words. He's got the words. Though he may be articulate, the man at the front may be articulated, he may be even graced and anointed, maybe skilled. Well-trained, well-groomed. The point is, he still doesn't have the word. At best, if you're listening to his word, it's human. It's opinionated and it's earthly. But if the man can open up his spirit so he can hear what God's saying, then every word that comes from his mouth is the word of God. That's how the preceding word comes. It comes through man, but it's spirit-driven. You can live on that word because your faith then can rest on that word. But please, 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 hear my heart. I do not want you to be moved by my persuasive words. I'm not looking to move your soul. I'm looking to strengthen your spirit. I'm not a soulic, I'm not a solistic, humanistic preacher. I'm a pastor who's been called by God, who's been called by the spirit to minister in the spirit realm, spirit to spirit. That's how you change people's lives. But there's been too much communication, good communication, but it's still humanistic. And, And there's nothing wrong with humanistic speaking, providing we understand its origin. But we don't want humanistic speaking in the church. You know, if you're at university or college, that's humanism. Okay, you've got to learn. That's the tech, That's the place you have to learn. That's fine. But as long as you know it's that, that's fine. We've all been taught in Pharaoh's court. We've all, every one of us has been taught in Pharaoh's court. That's fine. But God is bringing you out of darkness into light. And he's renewing our minds so that we know. This. But listen, Pharaoh trains us good. He can train us really, really good but we don't want to be so well trained by pharaoh that we're incomplete in christ <coughs> we want to be trained by the holy spirit so we can take what pharaoh gives us and use it to effectiveness amen pharaoh's got taught me well i've read a lot of books he writes a lot of books pharaoh he never gets the money for it but he writes the books <laughs> So it's not that we're saying university, college, school is, is bad. We're not saying that, though they've got things wrong in there. We know that. What we're saying is, is God's calling you out of darkness. My faith cannot rest on persuasive words. My faith must rest on Christ. On Christ, the solid, come on, finish it off. Right. Why is it solid? Because it's based on Christ. In Christ, there is no shaking. There is no changing. It's the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. It's it's, it's solid. You You can take him to the bank. Amen? So our pursuit of him must continue because that's the only way we can go. That's the only way we can go. So you may have succumbed to pressures. You may have succumbed to temptations. You may have succumbed to lethargy. And your pursuit of this Christ and his coming kingdom May have waned, but I want to switch the pilot light back on this morning. That's the word God gave me this morning. As I was, I, this morning, I was walking around the park. Never do that normally. I went, went for a walk around the park, and I just began to go, Lord, lead me, lead me, lead me. Give me, a, give me a word, give me a word, da, da, da. I've got a message. I know that. I've got God's word for us, but I wanted something to inspire us in the worship. And Paul began to stir us, and then other people came in, brilliant, fantastic. And I just felt the Lord, I just, I had this, I was sat on the bench, and he said, Lord, I don't hear anything you're saying to me right now, but I'll have the faith to trust you that when we start moving, you'll lead me. And I just instantly, God took me to the book of Acts and went, the pilot light. Switch the, focus on the pilot light. Every time, every time you come into my presence, every time you gather the church, switch the pilot light on. Nothing can flow from heaven unless the pilot light is first switched on. Yeah? Once the pilot light's on, Turning the tap, whoosh, straight away, the boiler flares up. And all that comes out is refreshing and good for our lives. Amen. So that when we pursue God this year, that was the whole idea of keeping the, keeping the, uh, the pilot light burning. For some people, you know, it's an, it can be an expensive deal getting your pilot light back on. Believe me, I had to have a new boiler this year. Aubrey came in and fitted me a new boiler. They're not cheap things, are they boilers? And the thing is about a boiler is that you no guarantee how long they're gonna last. But you know they affect the whole house. One piece of technology affects the entire house. True? And so to fix the boiler, the dreaded news is, sir, it's dead. We're gonna have to bury it, you're gonna have to buy another one. Oh that didn't cost you a thousand quid upwards. Right? But every time you don't have that, every, every day you don't have that money, you're still getting cold water. Try putting a candle under it, it doesn't work. Try putting a kettle on and having a bath, it doesn't work. The whole house is affected just by this one piece of instrument or piece of technology. It's the same, your whole life is affected if your boiler is broke. That's your heart, that's your mind, that's your being. So, the great news is, is when the engineer comes out and he says, The good news is it can be fixed. Because that's a lot cheaper than putting a new one in. Right? As a Christian, you can only put a boiler in once. You can't keep laying the same foundation. Christ died for you once. But what you can do is you can repair what's broke. You understand that? So, the Holy Spirit comes, he sends his word. He brings somebody else's hot boiler. He brings the engineer, and the engineer speaks in your presence. And as he speaks in your presence, you get repaired. Do you understand that? You get repaired, and you got it for free. It didn't cost you a bean. All you had to do was get out of bed and come here. But the issue is, can you maintain, can you keep the pilot light on? Can you keep your own pilot light on? Now, in the next week or so, we should be putting our new technology online. Right? But we're trying, to keep this t- we're trying to get the crossover of the technology because what's going to have to happen next is before this technology comes online, we've got to take the asbestos chimney out in the corner. Now, the asbestos ch- chimney has to be taken out professionally because you can't just take it out. Chimney, chimney, whatever you want to call it. What did I call it? Chimney. That's too t- talking to us surely too long. She calls it chimley. chimney, chimney, smokestack. smokestack, whatever you want to call it, yeah. And so once we're trying to get the crossover right so that it doesn't affect you on a Sunday morning, because if you knew there was no heating, oh, I'm staying at home, staying in bed, because you're affected by things like that, right? And then your pilot light says, suck that. If you've got a pilot light on, it doesn't matter where you go, you become the central eating wherever you go. But if you're if you're expecting this building to keep you warm, which I am, <laughs> you know, I can't be moved by fleshly things, but I know we are. So we've got to get this crossover perfect so that you don't know the difference. So that you can carry on growing like flowers. All because of a little pilot light, the whole house, your day, can be affected. Now, God very graciously has decided to prolong this project (laughs) so that when the warmer months come, you won't know the difference. So when the colder months come, you'll feel the benefit. It's the same in Christianity. When your pilot light's moving, in the hard times, you'll you'll feel the benefit Because God can always just flick a switch and you're up. Amen? It's got nothing to do with what I'm talking about, but I just felt it was good. You need to hear that. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. The pilot light's on in heaven. The pilot light's on in heaven. We already heard this morning from the book of Acts. Heaven was already alive. It was already burning. and all The fire that was in heaven just came down on earth. And it bump started the whole church. That was the beginning of the the pilot being switched on in the church was Acts chapter 2. And you know what? Many have tried to snuff that flame out, but it's never gone out. Never gone out and it's still burning today. That's one heck of a boiler. 2,000 years, it's still going strong. What a boiler that is. So Christ has been continually revealing himself in that 2,000 years. Amen. Through increasing measure, Christ has been revealing himself through that time. So through that time, Christ has been revealing himself. He's been transforming. said he's been reforming and he's been transforming nations, people, towns, cultures, individual people. It's not changed and it won't change and it'll keep on happening. What we're saying is, what we believe God's saying to us is, God wants to do it through us. It's not enough just to keep reading it. It's happening somewhere. Somewhere's no good. It's happening here. It's gonna happen here. So Colossians chapter one, verse 27 says this. To them, God has chosen to make known amongst the Gentiles The glorious riches of his mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory to them. There is a people that God wants to reveal himself to. There is a people. And those people will then reveal Christ to them. Yes, so God first reveals himself to you so that you then can go and reveal Christ to others. What was the prophetic word that came to Kath this morning? God's coming to her so that she can bring others out. So as Christ reveals himself to Kath more and more, she can then reveal herself, uh, reveal Christ, sorry, to the others. We use the, God showed us the picture of the, of the tissues in the box. You've all pulled out more, one, more than one tissue. That's what she's going to do. Kleenex. So that means are going to be tears. <laughs> yeah, blood, snot and tears. Let's just encourage you with that, guy. <laughs> so, Christ in you The hope of glory. Think of that for a minute. Why, how did Christ get inside of you? How did Christ get inside of you? You didn't find him on an envelope. You didn't find him in a church. You think, well, I went to a church. You didn't find him in church. Christ was there before you got into church. How did Christ get inside of you? Salvation, right, but... We asked him in, good question, good answer should say. But you couldn't ask him in until he first revealed himself. He didn't know he existed and the Bible says you didn't have the faith. The, fef- the gift of faith was given to you. The gift of faith given to you opened your eyes, showed you the truth. You then used your human will to say, I need you. Christ had to reveal himself. So why do we think if it started that way, why does it stop now? Why does it stop? It doesn't stop. We think, but the problem is we think because we've got him, we don't need more of him. We still need him as much today as the day he first revealed himself to us. Amen? Because now we start our journey, we realize that Christ, I need more of you. Christ, the Christ that's in me needs to keep on being revealed to me. It's not a one download measure. The seed of Christ, the full measure of Christ is inside of us. But the understanding of him has to be downloaded continually into our spirit so we can get more and more of Christ. We'll never understand him. Just by receiving him, we get a picture of his forgiveness. But we still don't know him. We don't know his, we don't know his nature. We don't know his word. We don't know his ways. We don't know what he likes, what he doesn't like. All we know is that He forgives me. And at a period of time, that, su- that su- seems to suffice. But the more I begin to, once I've, I've received this forgiveness, I ne- now need to get to understand him, get to know him, get to love him. So I see, let's just say, let's use a very simple illustration here. There's a man and a woman, and the woman is about to sit on the chair, but the chair's not quite there. So if she sits down, guess what's going to happen? Legs in the air, the lot. So the bloke sees this. These are two single people. He rushes towards her and he puts the chair and she sits down. And as she sits down, she realizes that there was no chair there and her eyes look up and she sees Mr. Wright. Right? Her eyes focus on Mr. Wright. Right? She realizes straight away that if it hadn't been for Mr. Wright, she'd have looked a numpty. All her glory would have been in the air for everybody to see. Okay? So as she, she receives his generosity and his acts of kindness, she focuses on him. Can you see this? You were fallen. You were fallen. Christ came to you and supported you and put you up and put you back on your feet. And now, you, now, do you know anything about him? No. You're just glad he did it. When Mrs. White, her eyes fixed on him, she thinks, ooh, she was wooed. But she needs now to get to know him. She needs to romance him. She needs to talk with him. She needs to find out who he is, what his desires are. Can I, is this a guy worth investing in? Can you stand that? Christ is no different. You've got to know, you've got to get to know him. It's not enough for him to save you. You've got to get to know him. He's still Mr. Right. But if you don't know the power of Mr. Right, all you'll ever know is, well, he he saved me. Well, okay, he saved you. fantastic. But what did he save you for? The truth is, when you didn't see the obstacle and they see that you were fallen and falling, he did. And he pursued you. He could have let you fall flat on your face. Because he already knows you. Now he wants you to know him. So to them, God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles. There is a work for you. There's a task for you. So that you can reveal the mystery of Christ. The mystery is this. Christ in you. The hope of glory. Now, let's break it down very easy. Let's start with Christ. That means you've got the triune God living inside of you. Three in one. You bought one and got the other two free, as Phil said to me this morning. That, and what happens is that the fact that the Christ is in you, you have now been connected to a spiritual royal birth line. Never mind. Kate and William's uh, baby being connected to royalty. You're already connected to royalty. You're going to have more splendor and more royalty than the, the royal family will ever have. Why? Because you come from noble seed. You come from righteous seed. So when Christ in you, He, you are now connected to his line, his lineage. So the royal Christ lives inside of you. The king of heaven lives inside of you. The darling of heaven. Lives inside of you, but you still don't yet know him other than his saviour. You know his mercy, but you don't know his kindness. Amen? So he's a living inside of you. Royal noble blood is inside of you. Amen? So Christ, then we look at the next part, is in you. So Christ, the royal noble blood, in you means there's a royal residence. This is the palace now. This is the king's domain inside of you. That king's domain means that you don't have to put up with sickness. You don't have to put up with a lot of things because in his domain, he doesn't want that. But if you understand the king, his his mind, his thinking, his will, you understand that this domain needs to be taken care of. Yes? Can't live like a slob and expect divine health. Now, what we don't know affects us when we're eating. Like, we know food, there's all kinds of stuff, junk in food. We're getting more and more educated about junk in food. But what we don't know, we don't know. But what we do know, we're responsible for. You know, ladies and gentlemen, cakes and chips don't go well together. Don't mean on the same plate. Cakes and chips, pasties and pies, burgers, all that kind of stuff... Too much of that stuff will make you fat, unhealthy, slow, okay? We know that, but we have a royal residence here. Now, this royal residence needs house management. It's called the management of self. So if you smoke, guess what? Is is smoking sinning? Will I go to hell? No, you just go to heaven a lot faster. It's the same as eating cakes, a sin. No, but it might get you to heaven a bit faster. So you've got to determine how long you want to stay on earth. Come on. House management, house rules, not your rules, his rules. So it needs looking after. So now there's a responsibility. So I need to know why it needs looking after and what's the value of it. Yeah? Do you know this property has got eternal value? You can't buy it. Preachers have tried. Pastors have tried. You can't. It's already been bought. It was bought by blood. So then we go from Christ in you. Now we go to his hope. What is his hope? The hope is the fuel. The the fuel needed to give you energy, vision, and movement. They say what we can live for weeks and days without food and water. But you can't live two minutes without hope. And many, many people have got food and water, but no hope. Some people have got no food and water and got no hope. But I need hope. I need hope. Christ in me gives me hope. Who's got some hope this morning? I've got great hope. Christ in me. Listen, I don't want to die because life is all I know. That's all I know. And I've got a faith that when I die, I'll be resurrected and taken into heaven. Okay? But I've not done it yet. I've not been on the other side, so I can't tell you. But right now, there's a little concern in my mind about when this closes, right? How do I get from here to there? That's the part. That's called faith. All I know is life. And the Bible tells me I can have life, life abundantly. So, but I need this hope. Every day, this morning through the worship, I hope you got hope. Hope is the fuel giving me the energy to believe. It gives life and light into my soul. One word of hope can can change someone's demeanor. So we get Christ in you, his hope, then the next part is his glory. His glory is an outward reflection of an internal work that the Spirit is doing within you. The internal work, which you have to partner with. You have to partner with him. He just doesn't do it on his own. He needs permission. He needs access to all areas. Your mind, your heart, your pocket, your will, your support. As you partner with the Holy Ghost, he works with you. But he doesn't violate. He doesn't do it on his own. He can't do it on his own. He does it with you. Amen? Christ in you, the hope of glory. This nation of ours needs hope. So, now if Christ is hope and his glory richly dwells within you, then that must mean I must continuously need more things. What do we need? Well, I need Revelation. How am I going to understand this God, this Christ in me? I need his mind. His mind is the Calvary software package. Behind every computer, there is a software that enables you to work that computer, use that computer. Christ has given you his mind. So Christ in you, the hope of glory, is giving you his mind. (laughs) <laughs> so Christ is in you <laughs> there's still a lot in there he's given you his mind from his mind you have now got his mind that means you can think his thoughts if you can think his thoughts you can receive revelation come on if I've got the same software on my computer as Phil's got I can receive from his computer dead easy I can transfer it, download it, and begin to open it and use it. It's the same. You've got the seed of Christ. You've got the operating system. You've got Christ. Is the hope is glory. You've got his mind. Now his mind, he wants to speak to you and share what he knows. Yeah. So as he's beginning to share and reveal what he knows, that's called revelation. Yeah. It's called revelation. Why? Because without revelation, I cannot deepen my faith and knowledge in God. Without revelation, I have no way of deepening my faith and my knowledge in God. It's not enough. Now listen, this revelation just does not come cerebrally. It comes by spirit. There are some things you can learn and know about God from reading in books. But there are many things that have to be revealed by the spirit. Amen? Amen. I've read, read, I should say, I've read a lot of books, maybe like you have. I've been to colleges and, and, and listened to speakers speak. Phil and I went to some kind of Bible college. We call it some kind because it was some kind. And we learned some things. But they were just mental things. And guess what? You forget mental things. That's why you have to write them down or put them on file. But the things that are revealed to you by the Spirit, you never forget. You capture. They're stamped on the inside. Revelation, spiritual revelation, is the things that bypasses the brain and it's your spirit. So revelation. Now listen, it's not revelation, it's revelations. Plural. God wants to keep speaking to you constantly. So every, every day, every week, there are new revelations. Amen? God wants you to have that revelation. Why? So he can deepen his faith, your faith and knowledge in him. The next thing, Where have you gone, I need knowledge, I need revelation that brings me greater, clearer understanding, yeah, understanding of what of the ways of God, of his heart, of his nature, so through revelation, I, I get a knowledge I receive knowledge that deepens my faith. But the knowledge that I need is the knowledge that gives me clearer insight and understanding to the will and the ways of God. I need to know my lover's ways so I can keep pleasing him. When you first pursue a girl or a a bloke, you want to know how to please one another, so you always stay in the sweet zone. True? Hello, anybody ever romanced? Forgot about it. Okay. And then when you think you've cracked it, You now live the relationship by the law of the least effort. Now I've caught her. Listen, catching is easy. It's keeping's the hard part. Keeping's the hard part. Listen, you can catch someone just by an action. You can catch someone by a word. You can catch someone by good looks. Fortunately, I've got all three of them. (laughs) However... My wife, to keep that fish in that pond, takes an awful lot of feeding. Right? Some days, I thought I caught a goldfish. Other days, I thought I caught a shark. <laughs> I'm sure she said the same thing. But you know, the trouble is, that's, when, you don't, when you operate by the law of familiarity and the law of least effort, guess what? Your relationship will only ever stay at one level. If you don't keep finding ways how to please and bless and encourage and stir and strengthen, right? Because it's not just blessing. You must challenge. There must be a challenge in your relationship. Carol will tell you, I am getting a pain in the backside for challenging her. She cannot sit here and go home and not be challenged. Why? Because when I go home, the first thing I say, what did I say this morning? <laughs> seriously. Seriously, seriously. I say what did I learn this? What did you learn this morning? Because I don't want my wife sitting here just listening to me. I, I know she's probably more likely to be more familiar than you. We're, this is not her husband speaking. This is God speaking through her husband. Because I keep saying to you know, Carol, you know, all these years you've been listening to me. You know, now it's your turn, and we're going to be listening to you. So the kind of posture that you want people to give you is the same God wants you to give Him. Is that fair, Dinkum? You've got to keep working, keep challenging your relationship. The relationship must have challenge. Don't be so busy trying to please her all the time that you can no longer challenge her. I don't mean wind her up, I mean challenge her. Challenge her to lead her to a better place, to a higher place. This is this relationship. Christ in me, the hope. If this hope is going to be understood and realized, it must have challenge. So from our manager enrichment we did last year, one of the things that came out of our marriage enrichment is that Carol and I go for a walk regular. And out of that walking together, we dialogue. We talk. And we clear up any misconceptions either one of us may have. We find a place. Because, you know, the house is not a good place. Because... There's so many distractions. The TV, oh, I can't be mine. I just come on, Let's get out. No, we're out. So our little, code, our little code name is Walkies. So when I call, I say, Walkies? No, not tonight. Yeah, let's go Walkies. Let's go now. So we get in the car. We go to our place of walk, and we walk. Now our dialogue is turning into prayer walk. Now as we start prayer walking and we keep talking, as we keep dialoguing, guess what? Our marriage is clear. We can talk. And if we've got any friction, right, we still need to talk and walk. Why? Because our relationship, there's hope in our relationship. Christ is in our relationship. Christ needs to be revealed in our relationship so that she can change. You didn't pick that up, did you? So she can change. So we can change. Christ has to be in. We don't, we don't want to be a couple that just comes to church. We want to be a couple that has Christ in their life. He's our hope. He's our glory. Yeah. Amen? So I need revelation. Revelation leads to knowledge. Knowledge brings me clear understanding of the wills and the ways. The next thing I need, understanding that gives me wisdom. Understanding that gives me wisdom. I don't just want understanding knowledge. I want understanding wisdom. Wisdom is knowing how to apply, accurately apply your knowledge. So many of us know a lot about God, but we don't know how to apply God. Yes? Is it two spoonfuls? Is it one spoonful? Is it half a spoonful? Do I just neck the whole bottle? No, you don't. You must know how to feed yourself. I must have wisdom to know how to feed others, to affect others. I must have wisdom to know how to run my life. I must have wisdom to know how to lead people, to raise people, to release people, to draw people. You need wisdom, the wisdom of God. You need the wisdom in your man- in your life, in your marriage, in your work. How do I overcome this person who's been a, been a nuisance? Do I go in the flesh? Or do I need the wisdom of God? How can I get round them? How can I get to them? How can I speak to them without causing further contention? I need the wisdom of God. God knows what's in their heart. And He'll give you a word that will soften them. If you think like that, it's no use you standing on the mountain today and then getting work and feel like you've been steamrolled in the valley. Come on, be honest. So, I need understanding that gives me wisdom, and wisdom is knowing how to apply the principles of God in the everyday of my life. Wisdom, they say that wisdom should come from age, but I've seen a lot of older people still act as daft as young people. I'm one of them. Have you noticed older men, they get a sense, they get a sniff of the youth, and they think they can jump out of a plane, don't they? They forget the 60 or 70 and they just think like the young and they go and do something and realise that the body doesn't work the same as it once did. Was there any wisdom there? No. there was just passion. Yeah? Passion. Stupid, is it? Yeah. No, wisdom. I need wisdom. So understanding must lead me to wisdom. Wisdom... Must give me leverage. Wisdom must give me leverage. Greater impact. What is the point of having the wisdom of God in your life if it doesn't give you greater leverage? I didn't say give you power over people. Gives you power towards helping people. Yes? Keep everything pure, everything righteous. I must... It must give me a leverage. A leverage must give me a power. I need the power of God working in my life. So why? Because I'm a disciple. I need to witness Christ in my everyday life. Knowledge, understanding, wisdom will help me to become a better disciple. Hello? So that others can be led to where I am. Again, going back to the prophetic word that Kath received this morning. All that was happening was to help her, but through her, through helping her, she'll help others. So, what you receive here must be for others. You must be connected to other people, church. You must be connected to other people. If you're not connected to anybody else, there's shame on you. Get connected, find others, get some friends, pick up the phone, buy them a meal. Whoa, that's radical. I'm available. Seriously, use your money. Go and take someone for a meal. Get to know someone. Talk with them. Don't be expecting someone to take you out. You go and make the first move. Amen? So Ephesians chapter 3, verse 17. You know, I never think I've ever got enough. And then I start speaking. More than enough. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. That inner being is this word. Let me give you this word. It's called your new recreated spirit man. You received a new created spirit when you became born again. God gave you a new spirit, a new heart. It's been recreated. It's clean, it's perfect, it's beautiful, it's righteous, it's got the royal seed in there. It's now the royal residence where the king lives inside you. It's a domain that needs to be protected and advanced. Amen? That's the new create. that's your inner being that he's talking about. Christ wants to strengthen you with his power in your inner being. So that the Christ in you and his hope and his glory get stronger and stronger You see, the more Christ dwells within you in your inner being, you have greater hope. And greater hope leads to greater glory. Yes? Greater hope leads to greater glory. The more I, when I seen Christ this morning in the worship, my heart began to rise. Hope. Hope arises. Hope springs eternal. Christ must be constantly being revealed. Christ revealed. The church reformed. So every time Christ reveals himself to me, more of me becomes reformed. That went down well, didn't it? The more of Christ is revealed, the more of your life becomes reformed. You will not reform a people unless you change their mind. Unless you affect their mind and affect their spirit. The spirit. See, I can change your mind, but not change you. Whatever affect your spirit, that's why persuasive words is not enough. Persuasive words. See, when we hear when when the spirit speaks, you go to Hebrews 4.12, it says the word of God, what does it do? It penetrates, it divides, it separates, and it exposes. Persuasive word can't expose you. You can shut your heart. Yes? It can expose you to a little bit, but you know, but nobody else knows. But when Christ speaks, there's a, rep- there's a repentance. Yeah. And Phil spoke about repentance. So that every time I keep walking with God and keep saying a yes to him, my repentance, the fruit of my repentance is constantly ongoing. So I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you. Now someone is praying, that's someone's, Paul, Paul, being the apostle, knows what you need because he's the one that God has used to set the pattern for the New Testament through Christ. Paul is writing, he says, I know what you believers need. I know what those believers, listen, 2,000 years ago, I know what those guys need in Charleston. I know what they need. They need his glorious riches to be strengthened in power through the Holy Spirit in their inner being. He's already telling us in advance what we need. Amen? So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. We discussed faith this week in the authentic groups. I asked my group to find out what their measure was. For each one of us to find out, we've all been given a measure of faith. The Bible tells us we've all been given a measure of faith. So I said, why don't we start by, first of all, writing down what our measure is so we know exactly where we stand. And then let's write down what I don't have faith for and then begin to ask Christ to get me from point A to point B. Using the faith I have. Don't look at the faith you don't have. Use the faith you have. Amen? If I've only got two... You know, I was with this guy once in an in, in airport in Malaysia. Cheek on him. He wants to buy something for his son. Do You you, you, laugh, you laugh. It was an embarrassing moment. I had to walk away. (laughs) He only has, let's just say he has $10. What he wants to buy is $15. So I would say, I haven't got enough. Not him. No, not him. He lets her take it off off the wall. He lets her wrap it up. And then he says, well, I've only got $10. And she went, well, it's $15. Yeah, but I've got a plane in a minute. You can either take it or leave it. He got it. <laughs> he got it. 15, he got it at $15. I think it was 15 Well, whatever it was. He'd already skipped me. He used my money to buy his present to bless his kid. And he still didn't have enough. The power, and the, no, he didn't do it obnoxiously. He didn't do it that way. He said, oh, I've only got, I mean, plane's going in five minutes. If I'd have been the proprietor, I went, jog on. But I wasn't. He got what he'd want. He got what he needed. What did he do? He used what he had. And he had faith in what he had, that if I asked what I don't have, she'll, look, she'll go. I said, Phil, don't rest on your good looks. I smiled and went, give him, give it him. And he got it. Yeah, he did. And she even wrapped it up. But he used what he had to get what he didn't have rather than using what he didn't have as an excuse for not moving to what he doesn't have. So many of us look at what we don't have and use it as an excuse for not moving. Why not use what you've got And let God supply what you lack. Now, I know I've just spoke to someone just there. Why not use what you've not got, or use what you have got, and move towards what you don't have? Because that's the only commodity you've got, seed. And God can increase my seed. It's called faith. The more I believe and trust God, that he's the Christ in me, he's my hope, he's my glory, he will supply to me that which is lacking. I don't have healing right now but I believe I'm going to be healed. So as I keep believing I'm going to be healed, and I keep praying into the area, what I don't have, he gives to me. And then I heard the report saying, sorry, Mr. Higginson, we can't find anything no more. So he supplies to me en route. He knows you only have a measure. But from his fullness, we are receiving his measure upon measure. Upon measure from His fullness, Amen. So we, we we draw from His supply, and through faith, it comes to us as we move towards Him. It doesn't come by standing there; it comes as we move towards it, Amen. So Christ in you is the hope of glory, and then He goes on, and I pray that you've been rooted. And that you're going to be established. This hope, this glory, right? This Christ, this hope, this glory in you is going to cause you to be rooted and grounded in love. It's going to give you the power together with all the saints to grasp, to understand. It's going to give you revelation. It's going to give you wisdom. It's going to give you knowledge. It's going to give you clarity. To to let you know and give you insight into how long and how deep is the love of Christ. You can't outrun his love. And to know the love that surpasses knowledge. Knowledge is not enough. You need a revelation that takes you beyond knowledge. That brings you into understanding. That you may be filled to the measure. What measure? His measure. The measure of God. Thank God. God's got a greater measure than you. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more. Because he's not, God is not a God of measure. He's, got, he's immeasurable. More than we ask or imagine, according to his power, that works where? it Works where? Where? In us. Christ in you, the hope of glory, who works in us. This is the Christ. This is the hope. This is the glory. The more Christ works in you, the greater the hope. The more Christ we see, the greater the glory is manifesting. The more Christ in you, the more Christ we see, the greater the hope, the more brighter the glory. Let's stand to our feet, if we will. I trust you was not inspired by my words this morning only. I trust that my words alone have not just motivated you, have not stirred you, have not created hope. My words alone, I said. But I trust that the Christ that was speaking through me this morning is going to become the evidence of your faith. Seriously, I do not want you to be moved by my words only. I want, them to, I want you to be moved by the spirit that takes the words. And you, you need words. We must have words. We must have good communication. I'm not saying I'm a good communicator. I just know I'm not a bad one. I'll let you discern where, where I'm up to doing that. The point is, is I know I carry God's word. I know that, and I know I have the ability to knock knock it with an hammer, boom, straight in. I'm not concerned if I offend you, but I don't set out to offend you. Seriously, I do not set out to offend you because that's wrong. But I know this word creates offence. Yes, but God God knows that. Put this word in me to speak these things, knowing that. I'm the kind of character that will launch it. Where others will look at you and think, better not, and they'll shrink like violets. This is no shrinking violet. This is a standout flower. Amen? But he doesn't want to be standout to be noticed. He wants to be standout to be effective. Amen? I pray I did not come with you with persuasive words, but with the spirit, the demonstration of the spirit's power. We start in the spirit, we're finishing in the spirit. Let's just raise our hands. We heard this morning that Christ has enabled us. We heard that there is a measure. We've heard that that, that, uh, Christ is in us, the hope of glory. We've heard that we have the mind of Christ. I can think about this glory. I can think about this hope. So right now, ask the Lord to give you revelation, knowledge, understanding, and wisdom. Remember, knowledge, not, not just knowledge on its own, but knowledge that brings you to understanding. Understanding is not enough, it needs to bring you to wisdom. Revelation brings knowledge, knowledge brings understanding, understanding must lead to wisdom. Revelation must bring you to knowledge, knowledge must lead you to understanding. Understanding must give you wisdom. So when Paul prays for you, or I pray for you, or Phil prays for you about revelation, that's what we're talking about. A revelation that brings you to knowledge, a greater knowledge that can deepen you in your faith. Brings you greater understanding that leads you to greater wisdom, so that that the glory of God can be seen in your life. Father, I pray for your house this morning. I pray for your people this morning, Lord. And I pray, oh God, that you give them heaven's riches. I pray, oh God, for greater revelation. I pray for greater knowledge, greater understanding, greater wisdom, O God, so that Christ, who is the hope and glory, may shine in this body, through this body, out of this body, O God. Father, we ask you, we ask you by the Spirit of God, to keep us in the Spirit at all times. Show us, O God, reveal dimensions of the Spirit. Keep revealing the glory that is in us through Christ, your Son. Oh, Father, come just raise your hands, if you will. Say, Lord, seal this word within me. Seal it, oh God, by the Spirit. I capture it in my heart. I don't capture it in my head. I capture it in my heart. I work from what's been revealed to me this morning. Thank you for your word, oh God. It's seed in my heart. Lord, I will water it this week. I will think about it this week. I'll meditate on it this week. I'll pray about it this week. Because I want the Christ in me to give me a greater revelation. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. Come on, let's give the Lord a stunned ovation.